John chapter 17 is known as the high priestly prayer. And that is the prayer that Jesus prayed. And we see that he firstly prayed to his father in the first five verses. And then we see that he prayed for his immediate disciples in verses 6 to 19. And then again, he prayed for all believers and future believers that will believe in Jesus through the gospel in verses 20 to 26. And um, it is an amazing prayer to read. And um, I'd love for you this next week to go and to read this chapter in full because there is just so much that we could learn from that prayer, but also teaches us to really pray um, when we see the way that Jesus prayed. We're gonna be reading verses 20 to 25 um, this morning. And so if you could follow along in your Bibles at home, but also here in the auditorium, and we're gonna read together from verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone, Jesus says. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Verse 23 says, I in them and you in me, so that they may, may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as I, as you have loved me. Father, I want you to, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Just the key verse that we want to look at this morning is verse 23 of John chapter 17, which says, I in them and you in me, so that we may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. What an incredibly powerful statement Jesus makes when he says that when the church is united, the world outside there will know that God loves the world as much as he loves Jesus. That's awesome. It is God's evangelism strategy for the church. 
It is the way that God wants to show his love off to the world when you look at the unity of the church. Let me read it again so that you can grasp this verse. I am them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. That's a huge responsibility that the church has, but it's more than a responsibility. It's an incredible privilege that we can actually bear that privilege to reveal to the world that God loves every single person as much as he loves Jesus. That blows my mind, doesn't it? To even think that the Father loves Piet as much as he loves Jesus. Uh, Can you comprehend that? It is so hard for me to comprehend that. But Jesus says it is possible for the world to grasp it when the church lives together in unity. It shows you that there is something supernatural that happens when the church walks together in unity. It shows you that there is a power released from God that is able through the gospel, and I emphasize through the gospel, that will open up the eyes of the people out there and they will see how much God loves them because they will look at the cross, they will see that Jesus died on the cross and they will start to understand the mystery of the cross that God died for sinful mankind like you and I. It's a mystery, but it's a mystery that can be revealed. Acts chapter four, verse 20, or Acts chapter four, verse 32 says, all the believers were in one, were one in heart, and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy person amongst them. And the Bible says that the gospel just spread everywhere. But this is the thing, all the believers were one in heart and one in mind. And I think that's the challenge that is before us. But God has a solution for every challenge that confronts us. I want you to know that whatever challenge is lying in front of you today, that God has a solution for that challenge. If we would but ask him, he will reveal that solution to us. The world has never been more broken than what she is today. Would you agree with me? 
The world has never been divided as much as she has been divided today. In Germany, this past week, there were thousands and thousands and thousands of riots taking place because people were protesting about a number of things and in Europe and indeed over the world. So these things are happening all the time because uh, 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 there is a division. And, and the devil knows that if he can divide the world, she will be powerless under his power. The devil knows that if he can divide the church, she will be weakened. The devil knows that if he can divide a husband and wife, that division breaks the power that you and I have. The devil knows that if he could divide a friendship, then he can weaken the power that that friendship has. And so unity is so important. And that's why last week I asked us as a church to make sure that we have a soft heart towards one another. Because then the gospel power is unlimited in its effect. And I've seen it as I've just gathered with people, talked with people, and it's just been wonderful. Even when we disagree on things, we stand together in unity. There is a sense of such power. And the moment we are in that unity, the devil flees, my friends. He has to run because there is such a power released that he cannot stand this. The devil loves division, but he hates unity. And so even um, when Jesus was baptized, he tried to divide the Trinity. Remember after Jesus' baptism, he was led into the wilderness and the devil came and the devil offered him a number of things. He says, if you do this, you can have that. If you do this, you can have that. I will give you this because he said, yeah, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world even. You see, what he was trying to do was to stop Jesus from his mission, namely to go to the cross. And if he could do that, he would try and divide the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He was so clever. He tried to divide God. If he even attempts that, don't you think he's gonna try it with us too? I don't know if you remember, well, certainly I do. Um, as parents when our children were smaller and um, when the one child goes to the one parent and the child says, but mommy said I could do this when they wanted to do something. When the father said, no, you can't do it. Or if the father said, yes. And the mother said, where are you going? No, dad said I can do that. Yet even with our children, they learn the art of dividing. And they're so very, very good at it. And what happens is in an instant where the husband and wife was in unity, within an instant it is just broken up like this because the, the, the wife would look at the husband and say, why did you say that I told them not to do it? And boom, there is like a major war taking place, third world war between 
mother and father, husband and wife, and I tell you, the sparks fly and the child sits in the bedroom and just smiles, victory. Jen and I had to learn how to deal with that type of division. And so there's either two ways that you deal with it. Uh, I think it's very important that um, the father should go and go and sort out the situation with, with the child, or the mother goes and sorts the situation out with the child, but even better, it is when the husband and wife says to the child, would you come to us? And then the situation is sorted out and unity can be established together. Do you know what? Parents, it is much better to be united and wrong than to be divided and right. Think that through. Because God could always restore the wrong through unity. And that is something because of of the proudness of our own hearts that we're just not willing to do. If you and your husband agree together and it's not the best decision, my friends, there is even a blessing from God upon that unity. And God can undo those things. But it's very, very hard even to do undo a right when there's disunity within the family. That's where we live. We live on earth. But it requires humble hearts to do exactly that. And it's the same within the church. It's the same within business. It's the same within relationships. And the same within the world. And so unity is possible. But then we need to learn some lessons from this passage of scripture that Jesus shows us. And we're not gonna read the first 20 verses. I'd like you to do that. But we'll look at some key verses in the whole chapter just to look at how unity is possible. And my friends, unity is possible through the power of Jesus' name. One of the things that I learned from a very, very young age, and it was because I was discipled by people who felt so strongly about the power that there is in the name of Jesus. And so I remember the school of Christian thought that I grew up in with, with some friends that they really believed that nothing could stand before the power of the name of Jesus. And so from a young age, that was a prevailing truth within my heart that I still believe today is so essential to our lives, but particularly to unity. In John chapter 17, verses 11 and 12, and would you just listen as I read it? Um, it says, I will remain in the world, Jesus. I will remain in the world no longer, Jesus says, but they are still in the world. And I'm coming to you Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. (laughs) 
Isn't that powerful? As I was reading through this chapter, I just said, Lord, speak to the church. This week, I could have gone to another psalm, but I just said, Lord, I just feel our church needs to hear from Jesus today. Just let them hear from Jesus today. I believe Jesus is just wanting to speak to us today. And this is his word. You know, we can be united through the power of Jesus' name. My friends, every principality, every power, every wicked force, every dividing force will bow its knee before the power of the name of Jesus. I've told the story many times, but I think it, 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 it's just one of the most beautiful stories. Um, where my sister was about 17, 18. No, she was about 18, 18, 19, somewhere around there. And it was just before I went to America to Bible college. And there was division within our home as far as my sister and my mom, myself, and I were concerned. And she was dating a guy that was not a Christian. And he was a really, really bad influence. And, and, um, and I didn't like him for a number of reasons. And, and, and he was just not the type of person that I knew could make my sister very happy. And I remember my mom, every single day as my sister left the house and she had just started working at the age of 17, my mom would go into my sister's room. She would get on her knees, put her hands on the bed, and she would pray for my sister. I would walk past the room and I'd hear her pray for my sister. In the name of Jesus, that name that is above every other name, the Bible says, the power of that name started to have its effect. A few months later, I left for America and about six months later, I received a letter in the mail. Those days, it was letters. I'm really dating myself here. And this letter at Bible College came, and it was from a friend of mine. His name was Miguel Antunes. And he was probably my best friend in South Africa. And I was leading a youth before I left. I was about 15, I was 17 at that time. He was about five or six years older than me but just a godly man, leading a youth in an Assemblies of God church. And we brought our youth together and we just became good friends. He would come over for lunch while I was there. My mom would cook all of our lunch. Just an amazing guy, godly man. And he sent me a letter and he just said, Piet, um, I want to ask your permission. He says, "Um, I want to propose to Liz, your sister, and I'd like to marry her. He says, I've been seeing her over the last little while. I've still been going and having lunch with your parents. This man was clever. And he said, I just want to ask you as my best friend, your permission. Now, of course, he didn't need my permission, did he? But he was just such such an incredible man. And I wrote back and I said, it's the best news I've heard. And they got married and they Still married today, I think, like 36, 37 years later. And my sister and I always joke, I say to you, you couldn't have married any other man. 
And she said, absolutely, there was only one man that was right for me. But it was the prayer that my mother prayed in the name of Jesus. Without fighting, without squabbling, the prayer in the name of Jesus broke through that division. My friends, as Christians, we've got this key that God has given to us, which is called the name of Jesus, that can break through every obstacle. That precious name, that name which is above every other name, I love the name of Jesus. When I'm in trouble, I cry out, Jesus, that name which is above every other name. Jesus, that name that breaks through every bondage. That name that unites instead of divides. Isn't it wonderful? Today, my sister, my brother-in-law, who's Miguel, we're best friends. They pray for me, I pray for them. And um, it is because of a faithful mother who understood the power of the name of Jesus. Unity is possible through the power of Jesus' name. Unity is possible through God's word. John chapter 17, verses 17, 18, and 19 says this, and if you could just listen, it says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me in the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself so that they may be truly sanctified. And so we see here that Jesus says, sanctify them by the truth. When we use the Bible in an unwise way, we will divide instead of to unite. The word of God is strong and it's principled. I have my principles and even some of my closest friends, we disagree on some things within the Bible. And that's all right, because there's always another truth that is more powerful than that truth that could divide us. There's always a truth that is more powerful than the dividing truth that can unite us. And when you learn how to connect the dots well, with the word of God, my friends, it softens our hearts. It employs the overarching truth and it brings the other truths together. And even though Jenny and I would disagree on a certain thing, and even sometimes strongly, we will find the overarching truth within the word of God that will unite us. The word of God is a powerful agent 
to unite, not to divide. I've heard so many reasons for division from people over the last little while, but I haven't really heard very good reasons to unite. It is simply because you do not know the word of God well enough. Word of God brings life. The truth sets free. Isn't that what Jesus said? If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Unity is possible. If we read the Word of God in its entirety, we connect the dots properly, and we ask the Holy Spirit for understanding. I love this truth, and uh, we will look at this truth in the context of of the world being impacted by our unity. Unity is possible, thirdly, through sacrificing our own comforts and needs for others, as Jesus did. Literally hours from the cross. Jesus said this in John chapter 17, verse 19. For them, that's for others. For them I sanctify myself. What does the word sanctify mean? It means I'm setting myself apart for a purpose. That's what the word sanctifies means. Setting myself apart for a certain reason. So he says, for them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Jesus set himself apart for what? He set himself apart for the cross for our sake. So he set himself apart for a special purpose, and that was to die upon the cross so that we can be united to the Father. So that there can be unity between us and the Father. You see, the Bible says that before we come to Jesus, there's enmity, there's war between man and God. Our sin separates us from God. And so God devised a way to unite mankind to him. That's why the devil hates unity because it, 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 it stands in his face of what Jesus did upon the cross. Jesus died upon the cross to unite mankind with God. He hates, he hates that unity. But Jesus was willing to inconvenience himself even to the point of death, Philippians chapter two tells us, so that you and I can be united to the Father. Jesus inconvenienced himself for the sake of unity. How about us? Wow, I read that this week. I've never seen it in John 17. And honestly, at the age of about 17 and 18, this was one of the chapters that I spent hours on meditating. And I love John 17. Because of this very fact, from a very young age, I had a heart for people to know Jesus from a very young age. And I always knew that unity did it, but I never saw this truth where it says that Jesus sanctified himself. That they truly may be sanctified. How many of you know that Jesus never had to 
sanctify himself because sanctification also has um, this truth whereby we separate ourselves from sin, from unholiness to holiness. How many of you know Jesus never had to do that? Amen? Sanctification also has this truth in mind that um, you have to um, fulfill what God wants us to do. Like, for instance, water baptism. You know, and so uh, when everybody else was being baptized, Jesus at the age of 30 got baptized by John. When Jesus came to him, John said, uh-uh, I need to be baptized by you. You shouldn't be baptized by me. No, Jesus said, it is right for me to do it right now. Why? Because it was a form of sanctification, setting himself apart for God, for the service. So Jesus, who didn't have to be baptized, got baptized for your sake and for ours. And that's why believers ought to be baptized, because we follow after Jesus' example. He didn't have to do it. He did do it. The incredible love of Jesus for you and I. Jen reminded me this morning that Jesus left his home in heaven and came to this dark earth and clothed himself with humanity and was limited like you and I. Yet without the Adamic nature, he became human and he was limited. He had to eat to stay alive. He had to brush his hair to look good. He had to brush his teeth. He put on human flesh. He sacrificed for you and I so that we can be united to the Father. And I love this. I'm just so thankful for this truth that that I saw again. Um, Because he says in John chapter 17, verse one, the first verse, he says, Father, the hour has come Glorify your son, that your son may be that your son may glorify you. So Jesus was glorified through the cross, so that he could actually glorify his Father. And I'm going to close with this. You see, my friends, God uses the cross to save us. Jesus says here in John 17 that. Through the cross, he will bring him glory. That's the sacrifice of the cross. The cross reveals things about God that nothing else can. And there are three ways that the cross brings glory to God. The cross reveals God's love for the world. The cross reveals God's wisdom. The cross reveals God's power. You see, love reveals the extent that God was willing to go to to save us. So through the cross, God reveals his incredible love to a lost and a dying world. So when you look at the cross on which Jesus died, we see his love. He didn't say, I'll go to the cross if you, he says, I'm going to the cross so that whoever believes in me will not perish, but have everlasting life. 
this sacrifice reveals his love for us. My friends, in marriage, in church, in friendship, and in the world, there are times that the only way that we can show our love to someone is by sacrificing something for them. That's what Jesus did for the sake of unity. Secondly, the cross shows the wisdom of God. I would not have picked the cross, but God did. God did something that made no sense to anyone. But God revealed his wisdom, which we can't even begin to understand. He was satisfying the love of God and the justice of God through the cross. You see, God cannot overlook sin. We can, but he can't and he doesn't. Because you see, God is love, but he's also justice. God doesn't just reveal his love. God doesn't just reveal his justice, but God is love and he is justice. Justice is not something he does, it is something he is. In the person of Jesus, we see the love of God and the justice of God working side by side when he died upon the cross. You see, he wanted to love us, but he couldn't overlook sin because his justice demanded death for sin. And so he sent his son and his son died upon the cross. And in there, the justice of God was satisfied through his love. And the Bible says that all who look at him will be saved. It is a wisdom that confounds the world. But that's why there is no substitute when it comes to salvation and the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's leave it there. Friends, unity is possible through the name of Jesus. Unity is possible through the word of God. And unity is possible when we sacrifice our own comforts for others, as Jesus did. How practically this week can you demonstrate that to others who think differently than you and who act differently than you? Do you know what the sum total of all our sacrificing will be? As Christians, the world outside there will look at us and in a supernatural way as we reveal the wonderful gospel to them, they will know that the Father loves them as much as he loves Jesus and us. We as a church exist for the sake of our non-members. 
lift. Let's look to Jesus for our unity. Powerful name of Jesus. Let's stay in the word of God and embrace its wisdom. And let us sacrifice and follow in the footsteps of Jesus as he did.